I know, I know you're all wondering, where in the world is Ryan? It's like, Ryan wonders that too when he gets back, because we always get someone who's like really tall or really short, and no one like normal people to sing like into that mic, so he's... Hey, Julie said she sweats like a crazy person, like all crazy people sweat. Just anyway, so no, we right, we didn't run Ryan off. Uh, two weeks ago was his anniversary. This week is uh, it's his wife's birthday, so they're out doing something, and so he asked for the week's off. So he's cool. So that's what you get. Oh. Hear that, guys? It's your wife's birthday. You better go do something. Take a day off. Make her feel special, just like Ryan. No. If it's your wife's birthday and she wants to go somewhere, you don't have to go to church. It's not like it's a new law. <laughs> Better come back, though. <laughs> Welcome to Element. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. If you have a smartphone, you download an app. It is called Version. You click on Live. It will bring us up by GPS in your smartphone. You will get the sermon notes and the verses and all that goes along with the message. All right, I think I only have like uh, one thing to tell you about before we get started, and that is the youth group is having this fundraiser thing. Uh, they're calling it a flapjack fundraiser. If you go in the, in the back, you can buy tickets for... Anybody? Who eats breakfast? Anybody? All right, so a good half of you eat breakfast. So for 10 bucks uh, at Applebee's on April 27th from 8 to 10 a.m., uh, you, buy, you buy this ticket and you get like all you can eat breakfast. So, you know, wear your elastic pants and take them down there with you. <laughs> Fill up. Maybe a big coat stick in your pockets. But apparently, there's more than just flat jacks. They have sausage and stuff. But for 10 bucks, I don't know why they don't let you have bacon. There's no bacon there. What is up with that? I know. Now, now, contrary to popular opinion, if I had to choose my ice cream flavor, it wouldn't be bacon. Because that's just nasty. Right? Shut up. No, my ice cream flavor would be would be cake batter and coconut and graham crackers. Shut up. <laughs> now, uh, and even if you don't go for the flapjack fundraiser, uh, they're going to have these uh, forms you can grab. And if you go out to eat at Applebee's on April 30th, uh, you show up between 11 and 12 p.m. and you take that with you, they will get 15% of that lunch that you eat there if you go out to eat. I haven't been to Applebee's in forever, so. Every time I go, i got to wait forever like a table. It's like, you ever walk into a restaurant? This has nothing to do with the message. You ever walk into a restaurant, and there's like 20 tables there, and like no one's sitting them, and you're like, dude, oh, we don't have a server for that section. Well, maybe you should get one, because there's a line. Why don't you stay on the arena God's Word? Now we'll talk about Jesus. Jesus would have made more servers. This is Psalm 15, verses 2 and 5, and it says, he, who's, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right, he who does these things shall never be moved. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that we as your people would be those who understand how to trust you and walk in the ways you call us to, that by our faith in you and what you have done in us, we would not be moved, but we would walk in the ways you call us to. Amen. Have a seat. So this is Genesis week 60. That's right, that's right. We're almost done, if you consider almost three and a half months away. It's all relative, depends how you look at it. Uh, we're going to go through almost two whole chapters today. 
So get ready for a fast sermon with a whole lot of verses. It'll be the best three hours of your life. Good thing you came to the 11 o'clock. You'll be okay. Uh, now, today you get to know more about who Joseph was. Uh, he's a guy who lives 4,000 years ago in Egypt. We're going to try to connect that to you and I today in Santa Maria and how maybe Egypt is a little bit like the United States and put these things together. So open your Bible to Genesis 39. We're going to start in verse 21, which is where we left off last week. At this point, Joseph is in jail for a crime he did not commit. And we read in Genesis 39, starting in verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So he gets thrown in jail and he gets put in charge of the prison. You know you are a dependable guy when you're in jail and they give you the keys. And they say, isn't he going to run away? No, he's a Christian. He's got tons of character, which is going to kind of be our theme today, this whole idea of character. And as I told you last week, Joseph kind of walks through his life asking, how can I be a blessing? How can I be a blessing? Even in prison, there's opportunity to bless somewhere because he is, quote unquote, the entire Christian, the only Christian in this entire country. And he wants people to inquire who God is because of how he lives. He's careful to represent God. Now, he's a godly guy, he's not sinless, but I'm telling you, after all the nut jobs we've seen so far in Genesis, it's nice to meet a good dude for once. And so Joseph tries to honor God with his life. Romans 6.11 reminds us, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This means we can either be uh, alive to sin and dead to God, or alive to God and dead to sin. And we're supposed to live lives full of life, but in one sense we've got to live a dead life so to speak. The Christian life is we die to ourselves. The weak is strong. And it looks like in Egypt that Joseph is a poor guy, but he really is the only one in the entire country that knows God. So today, for you, connecting with with you, you live on the planet Earth. That's what we call it. And I know that there's tons of scientists trying to find all these other planets that, oh, this one's habitable, like we could actually get there for one, right? But, you know, hey, these are habitable. Out of all the options we know of, this is the best one. You live in the United States of America. Out of all the options I've been to, and I've been to a lot of countries, this is still the best one. You can still flush your toilet paper in the toilet, and that is important for me. Today, thank you, today, the U.S. is the dominant force on the planet today for for now, and some people in the world hate us because of our blessing. But culture kind of stems from our country. You know, people drink our coffee. They use our currency. They hate our politicians, just like we do, right? It's all kind of connects. I don't know if you thought, statistically speaking, how amazing it is that you were born in the United States of America. But in America, Bible-believing churches are actually declining. Bible-believing to me means Jesus is God, you know, hell is hot, forever is a long time, that that kind of thing. That's Bible-believing. And people are flocking to a lot of things that are not Christianity. And so we must ask, what are we here for? Why did God have us be born here at this time in this life? What are we supposed to be doing? Because our lives are not about us. Our lives are to be lived in the whole idea of living in a community centered around the gospel, lifting up Christ, living on mission for his name this is what joseph does joseph is at this point a young man and he's in jail somewhere between his 17 and 30 years old uh he's single some of you are a lot of you in this service actually single he lives in the most powerful nation on the earth lives in a non-christian culture that claims to be spiritual he's a poor guy he's got a crummy job he's just a nobody see he's you he's you 
Egypt rules the known world for 1,300 years. This is actually longer than the Greeks and the Romans combined. And here comes this broke, homeless, slave virgin, Joseph. And what does he do? He changes the world. He changes the world. He shows who God is by what he does. He does not get bitter. He doesn't run from God's call. He lives on mission. So what I want to do is show you how Joseph lived and how he is faithful to God and give you six characteristics of someone who is actually has character. But the first one's a little bit away because I've got to get there first. So chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime after this means Joseph was in prison for a while. The cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. So the Pharaoh's baker and his cupbearer get thrown into jail. We don't know why. It doesn't tell us. Maybe the baker went low carb to decide he couldn't have any more cookies or something. So that's a jellable offense right there. And then he's got this cupbearer. You know, we don't know what, what he did. Maybe he wasn't carrying the cup right. Maybe he dropped Pharaoh's favorite mug. Yeah, you're going to jail. It kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, by the way, to have a cup bearer. It's like you're walking around carrying a cup. Well, I don't want to carry this cup, but I might need it later. I will hire somebody to carry this cup for me. That's what I need. And we're all thinking that, right? It's called a posse. That's, that's, that's what you want. That's what you got. Now, the reality is you've, you've got the most powerful man in the world, his baker, and the guy who oversees his wine. The only problem is as the cupbearer, you tasted the wine to make sure it wasn't poison. If it was, if it was poison, you would know. You want to know why? You would die. Exactly, exactly. But these are affluent jobs. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. So again, affluent people keep passing into his life. Verse 4, the captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, meaning they came underneath him. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. And I think it's interesting to see that Joseph, even being stuck in prison, still notices other people's problems. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Now, God could have given them their own interpretation to the dream, but they, he wanted them to go to Joseph for this interpretation to figure it out. And I'm going to give you the disclaimer I always give you when we talk about dreams like this. We believe that God is supernatural, that God can work through dreams, God can do whatever he wants. But God doesn't always do this. And if it, you know, it's not very often, not all dreams are from God. It could be the Taco Bell or the Pizza Hut trying to speak to you in the middle of the night. God loves you. Sometimes he will speak through a dream. But you cannot go all hyper crazy with this and think you can interpret everybody's dream or everybody has dreams and your dreams are all this. You know, you're not a seer or oracle or somewhere crazy crap like that. What Joseph does, you look at his life, he says, you don't know God. That's the point. He keeps steering it back to where our focus and vision needs to be on God. He says, I know God. You tell me the dream. I'll go between you and God and we'll figure this out. Only God knows the meaning because God gave the dream. Verse 9, the chief cupbearer told uh, his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation, or this is what it means. The three branches are three days, and three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house or get me out of this prison. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. 
says, Pharaoh's birthday is coming. Three days away, he's going to come get you. My name is Joseph. My brother sold me into slavery. Potiphar's wife is a nutty slut, and she threw me into jail, accused me of something I didn't do. Now, how about you help a brother out? Get me out of jail. It's always good to tell people good news, isn't it? It's always so much fun. Hey, you won the lotto. Hey, you're cancer-free. Hey, you get out of jail. But how about when things aren't so nice? How about when things are hard? You will die soon. Uh, you're, you're a terrible father. You need to straighten up. You're in sin. God is not happy with you. We run from the truth when it's hard to say. And hard words are coming. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he's probably like, okay, you go first. Oh, that was great. Do me, do me, do me, do me. He said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of a basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you. That's a little bit different than the last one. He's like, wait, what? You know, it's, it's kind of like you know, when, when Abraham gets circumcision as a sign of the covenant. He's probably going, what? Noah got a rainbow. You know, I got circumcision. Come on. And this guy's like, what? Okay. And hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. That's a bummer. You're going to be killed at the birthday party. So six tests of character. Number one, how do you do it telling the truth? How do you do it telling the truth? Again, because we love thee, God loves you, God forgives you, God wants to help you, God wants to be with you, God embraces the worst of sinners. We love saying that stuff. But how about if you don't love and know Jesus, you will live separated from God forever. God crushes sin forever. Imagine you're in jail. You're running the Bible study. Hey, Joseph, any words for me? Yeah, you're going to die in three days. That makes your conversation awkward for the next three days. I mean, how many of you, don't raise your hands, but how many of you struggle telling the truth when it's hard? Instead, you avoid it. Or you talk to everybody else rather than the person you need to talk to. Now, sometimes you don't need to step in the middle of every situation, but when someone asks and truth is warranted, well, then you need to speak the truth. I mean, sometimes people come to my office and they're having marital problems and they say, well, let's talk about it. And I'm not a good counselor because I will just yell at you the whole time you're there. And some people think I really enjoy it. I don't, but I'll tell you the truth. So they come in, hey, what? and I'm like, you're terrible, you're terrible, get over yourself, serve each other, boom. You know, and I just kind of yell at people. Oh, you're terrible, I'll talk to you about being a better father. You know, I, I was, a while ago, this guy offered me a job and he said, hey, would you come work for me? And I said, no, because I don't trust you. Why don't you trust me? And I told him exactly why. And it's not that I rarely say in these things. I don't actually, you probably think I enjoy doing it. I don't actually enjoy doing it. But I told him the truth because he needs to know. How do you do at telling the truth? It's like my dad. My dad is not a believer. I love my dad. But how do I talk to him about Jesus and hell and grace and all this? Because I'm not a teenager and I don't want him to go there anymore. Don't you think Joseph thinks, well, I'm already in enough trouble in this jail. I don't need to tell people this. You know, we can't get away from each other. How many of you know the truth you're supposed to speak to somebody else, but you won't because you're afraid of what will happen or it will make your life harder? One amazing thing about Joseph is no matter what happens, he always tells the truth to the person he needs to tell it to. Not everybody else, to the person he needs to tell it to. Verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants. And this is the only guy in all the Bible that celebrates his birthday. It's not a sin. Just don't celebrate like this. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. And here it is. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Hi, you get your job back. Hi. You're a dead man. That's a foul temper when you kill somebody on your birthday. I mean, probably the guy who just made your cake for you, too. Maybe it was a terrible cake. I don't know. Off with your head. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
which unlike Joseph, he's probably too scared to say anything. You know, I don't, he just killed that guy. I'm going to be quiet now. Question number two about character. Do you suffer well? Do you suffer well? See, Joseph, he has sold into slavery, into a godless nation. He works his way up, gets wrongly accused, goes to jail, stays in jail for almost 13 years. He loses his 20s in jail. The 20s are like the best years of your life. A lot of you that come to Elman are in your 20s. I mean, when you're in your 20s, it's amazing. You can eat mostly whatever you want. You can go to the beach and you can still take your shirt off. You know, all your hair is one color and it's on your head and not coming out your ears. It's amazing. To me, 30s, things just start to go bad. 40s, I'm telling you, I'm in my 40s now, and I get out of bed, and I'm like, oh, my foot hurts. Oh, 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 I can't lift that up. Oh, my back. It's Cindy playing keyboard. She comes in this morning, and I'm like, oh, you're limping. She goes, oh, it's my back. And I'm like, I know how it feels. I'm totally there. You hit your 50s, it just, and your 60s, it's just, it's, Joseph loses his 20s in jail, and he's a good-looking dude. He can do Abercrombie ads, and he's stuck in jail, wrongly accused, but he suffers well. You see, nobody wants to suffer. We all know people who have suffered. We ourselves have suffered. But part of the Christian life is understanding that sometimes we will suffer just like Jesus. Jesus was wrongly accused. He suffered injustice for you and I. So two things, do you speak truthfully, and do you suffer well? Joseph suffers mainly because he spoke the truth. He went to see his brothers, spoke the truth. They throw him in a pit. He goes into Potiphar's wife, speaks the truth. They throw him in jail. He says to Potiphar's wife, no, I love God. You're married. That's wrong. But it is better to suffer for the truth than be blessed for a lie. I'll tell you, sometimes the hardest thing is to tell the truth when it even makes us look bad. When you do something stupid and someone asks you, oh, did you steal? And you got to say, Yes. Did you lie? And you have to say yes. Those are really hard because it comes back to it's going to hurt you. But why do you do it? Why do you tell the truth? Because you follow Christ. That is why you do it, because we love God. Chapter 41, verse 1. See a whole chapter right there. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, we call these supermodel cows, they came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. The supermodel cows ate the good-looking cows and then threw them up. And Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sat and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all of its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Don't! I remember my offenses today. There was once this guy that I met when I was in jail. Oh, and he could probably do this. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Uh, Question number three about character. Do you, will you, can you wait patiently? 
Can you wait patiently? See, Joseph is getting over 30, but what you never see Joseph do is go, God, I loved you, I obeyed you, I followed you, look where I am, look what you did to me. Oh, I can't believe you. He waits for God. This is very convicting for people like me who have no patience. Joseph probably wants a wife. He probably wants a home. He wonders why he can't have one. But while he's waiting, he is not inactive. He is not lazy. He doesn't just give up. He works hard. He works hard for Potiphar. He works hard for the jailers. He works hard for the cupbearer. He works hard for the baker. He says, remember me. He doesn't live in fatalism like, oh, this is all I can do. My life's going to be terrible forever. That's not what he does. He is always working hard. You know, our economy is is terrible right now. I get that. But if you need a job, you know what you do? You pound the payment and look for a job. You don't, like, find two resumes at McDonald's and hand them in and be like, I tried, you know, six months ago, I handed in two resumes. You pound the payment every single day because you're called to work hard and work well. I mean, maybe, maybe you're single, and you are, you're looking to find you know, that, that person that, that's just for you. Well, you know what you do while you're waiting? You do your best to be physically attractive. You, you work out. You eat right. You do things. If you've got a horrible personality, well, you work on that, okay? You get a little better. You work while you can. And, you know, and sometimes God brings about the person, but while he doesn't, you wait patiently, and you work hard for it. You have patience, and you work hard. See, our culture, we, we, doesn't, we don't know what to do with patience. I mean, we think two minutes is too long for popcorn. I, 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 I honk when people are going 65. It's like, get out of my way. I have four fast-forward speeds on my remote control, and I want a fifth gear. This is not fast enough for me. I record everything I watch so I don't have to look at the dumb commercials. People say, oh, you need to wait patiently. Oh, I did for an hour. You know, it, it's too, you go to the bank, and there's two people in front of you waiting. You're like, oh, open another teller already. Freeze a crowd. Do something here. Recent study done by a Stanford guy. His name is Philip Zimbardo. And he writes that we Americans are becoming emotionally upset by how long it takes our computer monitors to turn on. Can you believe that? Don't raise your hand if that's you. Because, like, oh, my goodness, that's me. What does this say about human nature, though? We have access to more information than anybody in human history. We live in an unbelievable world. You can communicate with anybody on the globe in an instant. Anybody. And we have all the learning of human history at our fingertips, and we get emotionally upset because it takes our computers 30 seconds to boot up. What does that say about us? Joseph waits patiently for years in jail, patiently. And now Joseph's going to get his shot because everyone else can't figure it out. So they brought in Oprah and the Hindus and the Buddhists and the faith healers and trying to, you know, what's going on here? Because this is not an issue of spiritual all right? Spiritual doesn't mean it's from God. Our enemy is trying to get people to think that everything spiritual is good. Everything spiritual is not good. The question is, is it about Jesus? Is it about Jesus? Spirituality is another name for paganism half the time. God gives the dream. He's not going to give the interpretation to anybody else but to Joseph. And I think if Joseph would have slept with Potiphar's wife, if he would have denied God in jail, God probably would have used somebody else. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Probably the first bath and shave he's had in a really long time because you don't go in front of Pharaoh looking bad and smelling bad, bugs in your hair. You get a shave and a haircut, two bits. Go to see the king. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And this is Joseph's line and this is one of the best lines in this. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. I love that. It is not in me. I'm not a seer. I'm not an oracle. Oh, I'm not all these great things. He says, it's not in me. And what he says is, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Literally, what he says is, only God can help you. 
Only God can help you. I can't. You have made a mess of everything, and only God can help you out. And this is great risk because Pharaoh could just say, well, you're of no help. Off with your head too. If I was standing there and this was me, I'd be like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to plug all your information into my super high duper foofinator right here. And it's going to spit out the answer to all you want so you can put your ropes and your knives away. We're all going to be okay. That's what I would do. But Joseph doesn't. He says, you need God. That's your issue. Pharaoh says, my issue is the dream. Joseph says, no, your issue is God. But I know him, and I will ask him for you. For, for you. This is important because of who Pharaoh thinks he is. Who does Pharaoh think he is? God. Who does Pharaoh tell all Egypt that he is? All right. And Joseph just said, you're not God. He says, Pharaoh, what you need is God. But I am God. If you need to ask a slave for help, you're JV. All right? You need, you need a varsity God in this. In Egypt, Pharaoh was like the God man. He was going to connect the world of, of the gods to our world. And Joseph says, I'm a slave, but I will tell you the truth. You are not a big deal, and you need God. Simply amazing. It goes back to number one. How do you tell the truth? Verse 17, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt, because we don't have supermodels here. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would know they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. (laughs) Sorry. Then I awoke. It's funny. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good, seven ears withered and thin, blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Number four, test of character. Do you serve the real God? Do you serve yourself, or do you serve the real God? Because if you have the wrong God, it might even work for you until you need it. Like when you die, a false god does nothing for you. You need forgiveness. This is why, back to number one, it's so important for us to be plain and honest. If you don't have Jesus, your life is shot. There will be a day you need the real God, and that day is today. Pharaoh Pharaoh thinks he's God. He can't even interpret a dream. And Pharaoh is learning to listen to the real God, though he's not even a believer. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Do you notice this? God has. God will. God's going to do this. You're not God. This is amazing. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lead and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. What he says is, you know what? God loves you, even though you don't even know who he is. This is God showing his kindness again. This is one of the themes of the book of Genesis, as you go through it, that God longs to bless the world and he uses his people to do that we think that oh we're the people of god we're gonna be blessed well what happens to joseph jail slavery pit all to get joseph to the point where god could show his kindness through him to this entire country that is what it meant for joseph to be a blessing he says there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of egypt but after them there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of egypt the famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow for it will be very severe and the doubling of pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by who god and who will bring it about shortly Question number five, character. When you succeed, do you do so humbly? Do you do so humbly? See, Joseph could have been arrogant. Oh, so you need me now? Well, well, okay, you know, what are you going to give me? What's in it for me? He doesn't barter. 
I mean, he could bargain. I mean, the most important man in the world needs his help. Joseph could talk about being skinny and hungry or himself. Instead, he talks about Pharaoh's need for God. If you got five minutes with the powerful person in the world, say you got five minutes with Obama, what would you sit down and talk to him about? Gun control, health care? You know what Joseph would talk about? Jesus. Jesus. And he doesn't do it in a convertative way. You know, he, he says you need God. He simply states the truth in love. Pharaoh, Egypt is going to boom for seven years, and seven years after that, famine. God is not like you. God actually knows the future. First Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He says to Pharaoh, God is a good God. You should listen to him. And Pharaoh could kill Joseph right now. He could, but he trusts God anyway. I think many times it's harder to walk humbly when times are good. Because when times are good, we have the natural tendency to think, oh, I'm doing really well. God must be blessing me. Look at all the good things I must be doing. And we look at everybody else thinking, well, what's wrong with them? If they just live like me, well, then they'd get it too. When times are hard, we realize we are not in control. And sometimes I think it's a much easier to live humbly when things are hard. But how do you live when things actually go well? That's the question. Verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. The food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through famine. Question number six, test of character, is this. Do you serve faithfully? Do you serve faithfully? Joseph has not even had one good day in Egypt. He could have kept his mouth shut and never said anything. Gotten bitter. Oh, you're all going to starve? Good. You all worship demons? Die. <laughs> he could have done that, but he doesn't. Had Joseph been selfish, this nation would perish. Instead, he says, you can store grain in urban centers for seven years, and then when things go bad, you can feed your people. Your people have treated me bad. Let me show them grace and kindness and be good to your people. You know what Joseph is thinking? They need God. That's what he's thinking. And you must ask yourself, how can you and I show this world who Jesus is by how we live our life, even in our worst circumstances? Because when our circumstances are bad, it usually reveals what we believe about God and about ourselves. This could be the last shave and meal and bath Joseph ever gets. But he humbles himself enough to tell Pharaoh the truth. Now, how does it work out? Well, actually, it works out well for once in Joseph's life. Verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And this is amazing, again, because they're trusting God's servant, even though they don't even know God. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And that is the verse. That's the verse. By his humble life, Joseph just showed them who God really is. And even Pharaoh recognizes that only Joseph in his entire country has the Holy Spirit of God. Pharaoh can't control it. He can't confine it. Pharaoh, who thinks he is God, recognizes that he doesn't know God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once wrote, It seems odd that certain men who talk so much of what the Holy Spirit reveals to themselves should think so little of what he has revealed to others. See, Joseph is here telling Pharaoh, who God is and what he's done, and Pharaoh is actually humble enough to receive that. See, if God is our deepest treasure, then we listen to his Holy Spirit who lives in us when he gives us direction, when he guides us, when he leads us and shows us where we need to go. Because the truth is that we are rich even when we're poor. Pharaoh says, God lives in that man like no one else. It says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. And what would Joseph say to that? It's not in me. It's not in me. I am not discerning and wise. I am not great. I am not amazing. 
Because Pharaoh was raised from birth to be Pharaoh, Joseph only had the Holy Spirit of God, and Pharaoh recognizes that that is more valuable. He says, you shall be over my house, meaning you get to rule the world, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. He says, do anything you want, but I'm still in charge. Classic, like, boss-employee mindset, right? You know, you work your butt off, you make me look good, and I'll, t- I'll, I'll be in the parades. That's, that's kind of what he says. And you're like, that's my boss. That's my life. I work hard, make him look good, and I look terrible. With him. You know. Here's my questions for you. Okay? Uh, did Joseph have his family in Egypt? No. Did he have a Christian friend to help him out or pray with him while he was in jail? No. Did he have a Bible to read or church to go to? No. So how does he make it through all of these years in his life to bless and not curse, to do good and not evil? He has the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? When you believe in Jesus Christ, so do you. So do you. This is the great gift of the Christian life. Jesus connects us to God through the Holy Spirit. The people in Egypt thought that Pharaoh could do that, but he couldn't because only Jesus can. Joseph lives 13 years in jail. We never see God speak to him, reveal himself to him, and yet Joseph is faithful and he trusted God. He longed to be a blessing to these people. This reminds us, for you and I, we need to make one issue the issue that people need to know Jesus, and so do we. Because once we know Jesus, all these other things begin to fall in line and figure themselves out. Family, friends, faith. And if element picks a hill and a battle to die in, it will be that the world needs Jesus, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, and we must continue to live humble lives and serve and bless those around us so that they can maybe learn about who God is. That's how the world changes. You know, the, the world doesn't change by you and I being so wise and discerning and being all these things. The world changes when we lift up Christ and realize that it's not in us. It's not in us. We have, we have nothing good in us. This is why we trust Christ, and then God sends his spirit to live in us. And that is the good thing that then lives in us. And that's how the world begins to change. Because we become this people who lift up who he is. And, and character you know, doesn't save you, but it reflects our view of who Jesus is and what he has done. We should live different lives because of what he has first done for us. This is one of the reasons we invite you guys to communion every single week. Because you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and I. So that we can become this people who can live these characteristics, not because it's in us, but because through his spirit living in us, we can become these things. The band's going to come up. As I sing these songs, I kind of mentioned this to you last week a little bit. I mean, you, you all have a leg up on Joseph. You know, Joseph didn't have anybody God places you in a, in a community like this where you have believers around you that can come alongside you and lift you up and walk with you into hard circumstances. You know, you, if you went to jail, you wouldn't be alone. Someone would come visit you. I had someone tell me if I went to jail for 13 years, they'd bring me cookies. Hopefully they put a little nail file right inside the middle of one of those. You know, it's like, yeah. But they said, you know, you, you wouldn't have to do life alone. Because quite frankly, you and I, we're not Joseph. We're not Joseph. I think if I had to be in jail for 13 years, I, I would probably curse God. I'd be like, God, what are you doing? I don't understand this. Come on. You know, but God had a plan for what he was doing. I mean, from the beginning of where Joseph started all the way through all the horrible things, God did that just to get him in the position so God could show his kindness. Not so Joseph could show his kindness, but God could show his kindness to that entire country. It's about God and what he is doing. And that is why we live as people of character who lift up the one true God so people will know. 
Uh, if you need prayer, I mean, if you're in a place where it's like, man, I don't have any of those characteristics, you know, they would love to pray with you. Or maybe in a really hard spot in your life where you're, you're finding it's really hard to live as a person of character. Again, not because it makes God like you more, but simply it's a response to what he's already done in us. There's offering boxes on the side wall in the back. You can bring your mic up here, by the way. You know, the stand back there. Huh? You can get all set up. So I have to pray like forever. He's new. It's okay. We're working on him. He's like, now I feel terrible. Uh, so offering boxes on the side wall in the back. We give because God gave so much to us, giving to some part of our worship. So you have the opportunity every week. And again, there's food and stuff in the back. So that you guys can meet each other. Maybe go out to lunch, ask questions on the back of that. You know, maybe just to connect together with somebody else and realize you don't have to walk this alone. And with God's spirit, you are never alone. I mean, Joseph's life is amazing. But I will tell you, you're not Joseph. You're not. You're you. And I'm me. And, and I don't know if I could have made it through 13 years of prison without cursing God and wondering what he's doing. And this is the reason that God gives you and I, the people around us, to walk with us. And that is an important part of living the gospel. It's living in community with other people. And so we want you guys to have the opportunity to do that. God is good. Jesus is better than you can imagine. And even in the worst circumstance of your life, he is still working things out to the point where he needs it to be. And you and I need to trust him in that and continue to be people who live as people of character. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God who reveals yourself to us in very strange ways at times. That you sometimes let us go through very tough things that we don't get. And it seems like it takes years and years and years to come to fruition. But you always bring things to fruition. Because you are faithful. Father, sometimes we, we say things like, there must be more than this. And there is. It is your spirit living in us. Because the more that we focus on ourselves, the more that we live a life opposite of how Joseph lived. The more that we run around thinking it is in us. And it's not. Help us learn to be humble people. To steer everything back to you and your gracious goodness that has been bestowed upon us, that we would lift up you. Father, I ask that today you would show us all the places where we're not living as people of character. Not because righteousness and good works gets us into heaven or something like that, but we want to properly reflect you. We want to live as a response to what you have already done in us so that we would live as this faithful people, fully reflecting the goodness of you. So today, consume us and replace it with you, that we would walk in the grace of your Spirit, hearing, listening, trusting you and all the places that you lead us, so that the whole world would know and the whole world could be changed because of you. We ask this in your son.